Welcome back, Broncos Boardroom Blitz listeners. Thank you once again for tuning in to this podcast, which caters to aspiring sports business professionals everywhere. It is my pleasure to have Broncos Game Entertainment Manager, Liz Coates, with us today. Liz has a very unique role in which she conducts the pregame and halftime festivities while interacting with many different departments within the organization. Without further ado, it is now time for Episode 8 of the Broncos Boardroom Blitz Podcast. All right, we have Liz Coates here, the game day entertainment manager for the Denver Broncos. Liz, MVP behind the scenes, thank you for being here today. (laughs) It's my pleasure. So there's a lot that goes into putting a game on and, you know, most of the fans are focused on the product, but you obviously can speak to everything else surrounding the football product on the field. So first would love to just dive into your background and how you got into doing what you do now. Awesome. Yeah, I was in college up at CU in Boulder and realized when a friend got an internship with a sports team that that was actually a career you could do. And I was floored because I'd always been a sports fan and I thought, wow, okay, cool. I want to do that one day. So went through and got an internship with the Colorado Rockies, the baseball team in Denver, because at the time they were the only internship that paid. And I didn't want to work an entire summer without making any money. So was lucky enough to get hired into that role. What was the role with the Rockies? Uh, I can't remember the formal title. It's been so long, but it was intern for corporate sales, specifically helping with the activations team or the service team. I did a lot of sponsor reporting and TV recaps and commercial justification process. So it was really fun, but I kind of moonlighted with doing the game day entertainment stuff with the promotions team. So during the day in the office, I would help the corporate sales group. And then in the evenings for the games, I would go and help the promotions and special events group. So that internship ended in November. I graduated in December and was called on uh, January 1 to apply for a position with the Rockies. They had one open based on some movement. They, I guess, had a good enough impression after my internship that they asked me to apply. And then I was lucky enough to be hired at the end of January of that year. I was basically the assistant in the department for broadcasting and promotions and special events. So it was a great role for me. I got my foot in the door and I was with the Rockies for 10 years in different positions, but within the same department for those 10 years. Then was kind of recruited or lured over to the side of the highway. I took a job with the Outlaws and the Cutthroats, which is a minor league hockey team for their first inaugural season. And they played out of the Coliseum and I only worked for them for one year. Um, and then was lucky enough again to be hired on by the Denver Broncos after about a year working for the Outlaws. So I started with the Broncos in 2014. This will be my fifth season in this role as the game entertainment manager. Now you've sort of been in a similar capacity or similar roles in game entertainment focused on you know 10 years with the Rockies, a few years with the Outlaws, and then four years with the Broncos. I'm curious on sort of what aspects of game entertainment really appealed to you and what kept you going? Did you assess other opportunities within the team or were you always steadfast on this role you were at? I really enjoy what I kind of fell into in my career. To me, the game entertainment role is one that you can instantly see your hard work come to fruition and you can get immediate feedback by how the fans react. 
So to me, that was very appealing. I did look at potential other options within the organization, specifically with the Rockies. And when I was with the Outlaws, I did look at some things that would potentially bring me over to the Broncos side. None of them were a great fit for me. I think this role specifically is my niche. It's kind of where I enjoy being. And it's actually the position back in college when I heard you could work in sports that I kind of set my sights on. And so I've been lucky enough to achieve that, which is pretty special. That's amazing. Uh, So let's dive into exactly what you do and what's so appealing about it. So if you wouldn't mind talking about what is your role of a game entertainment manager entail and specifically if you'd highlight some of the ways you work with the different departments in the organization. Yeah. So the easiest way I can explain it is I'm in charge of everything in bowl on field that's not football. So pre-games and halftime specifically, any kind of recognition we're doing on field, and then it expands from there. So within pregame, I'm in charge of the anthem. I help facilitate our game ball delivery, where we honor a long season ticket holder with a game ball being delivered from Thunder. I'm in charge of the skydiving team that comes in every game. The American flag, we have people that help with that, but I'm ultimately responsible for it. There's just a lot of elements within every game day that I help facilitate and, and see through. And I will say, as someone who came into the organization as a fan, that's definitely an aspect of the game experience that was underappreciated to me until meeting people like you. And you know, I've seen you command a room of 50 people and setting up the plan for a particular game day. So I think that's really interesting. Can you speak to some of the different groups, whether it's marketing, sponsorships, community development that you work with on and talk to some of the projects and how you leverage them to enact this game day experience you were just talking about? Yeah. The cool thing about game day is there's a lot of people that you have to work with in order to accomplish things. On any given game day, I'm working with sponsorship to make sure that we're fulfilling their activations properly. I'm working with community to help with any kind of program that they're running, whether it's Play 60 or it's our Crucial Catch game. I'm working with our stadium operations folks to make sure that we've got parking accounted for and that our folks know exactly where they need to be. If we need any kind of setup that's above and beyond, whether it's tables for a lunch or it's our tunnel, I'm working with our facilities folks. I work with a lot of different people around the stadium in order to fulfill this. It's not a one-person show, right? That's a big thing about sports in general is you really have to build relationships both internally and externally in order to accomplish something as big as an NFL game, regardless of who you are. No question. And building off that, from my perspective, one of your biggest skills is your social capacity and your ability to make connections with so many different people in the organization. And quite frankly, unless you were able to do that and unless you had the skill, you would not be successful when it came to game day. So I'm curious on if you could speak to how you go about maneuvering through those social dynamics of working in a sports business and sort of like what are some key either traits that you think you have that have allowed you to do that or some advice that you have for people trying to build those traits? I think in all businesses, but specifically in sports, relationships are key. And for me, this is cheesy, but you kind of have to go back to the golden rule in that you treat people the way you want to be treated. And frankly, I get really annoyed when people come to me last mi- with last minute requests or catch you off guard. So that's kind of my number one goal in my relationships with people internally is to make sure that I'm not doing the same thing to people. So I try to communicate well in advance. I try to make sure that something is on everyone's radar that it needs to be on so that no one's being caught off guard by something that we're doing 
on a game day or in advance of a game day because it's a lot easier to have people react and be on your side and want to help you when you've communicated effectively. And it really comes down to communication, kindness, and respect. And if you can respect what other people's job is and what they need to accomplish outside of what you're asking them to do, like it goes a long way with people. That empathy of kind of understanding what they need to accomplish as well and what their job entails. Absolutely. Switching gears a bit, can you compare and contrast kind of three unique experiences with the Rockies, the Outlaws, and the Broncos? Is the Broncos simply doing the same thing, but on a larger scale? Or how would you go about analyzing the different dynamics of being a game entertainment manager for those three organizations? It's hard to compare, although all of them have a little bit of similarities. You know, every sport's different. Every team is different within that sport. There's different cultures. There's different expectations. In baseball, you have 81 home games. Your biggest game is opening day, unless you make playoffs, and then obviously playoffs become that. And opening day is a holiday in baseball. I mean, it's uh, the city shuts down. It's a big deal. And the pomp and circumstance surrounding opening day is really, really important. And there's a lot of eyes watching. So opening day is kind of the first one out of the gate. And then you have 80 more after that that you have to do and you have to get through it. But to me, baseball is like a marathon, right? So you kind of have to pace yourself. It's not about each individual step or each individual mile if you're going with this marathon analogy it's about the thing as a whole it's about finishing and getting through it where with football every single game including our preseason games are much much bigger than any baseball game I've worked including opening day and playoffs that's just what the NFL is the NFL is about the show it's about the entertainment it's hard hitting, it's faster paced, it's more intense. And when you only have 10 to do it perfectly, there's a lot more pressure on every single one of those games. So you have to make sure that you're executing flawlessly every time because there's a lot of things riding on that. Where in baseball, you have another chance to make up for it tomorrow if you mess something up. So it's a very different scenario. You can't really compare the two although there is a lot of similarities in that you always have to have an anthem singer. You always have to have some kind of backup in case that person doesn't show up. You always need your color guard. Like There's some elements that are always the same. There's going to be eyes on. There's going to be expectations, but they're very different. To your point, the spectacle, the pressure, it's something that is probably unmatched in football compared to any other sport you can be in. And then obviously you uh, tie in all the money involved in a single game and uh, adds another degree. Even in your uh, four years with the Broncos, what are some of the key changes you've seen in sort of how you approach game to entertainment? Like, has that evolved in terms of the types of things you're focused on? Obviously, like you mentioned, the national anthem has always been a staple, but just in terms of the different forms of entertainment, either pre, during halftime or post game, how has that sort of evolved since you've been here with the Broncos? You know, it's interesting because the Broncos are... We're a team that has been around a long time. Uh, We have a lot of very dedicated and passionate season ticket holders and fan base who come to expect a certain show when they come here. So we've had a lot of conversations over the last few years about what's tradition and what's something that isn't. Tradition is something that we really want to protect. We want to make sure that fans see that every time and it looks the same every time. And we are lucky to have a lot of really cool traditions. And then there's other things that we've kind of messed around with because we didn't think they fell into the tradition category. 
and just to see if we could kind of create something new or or freshen things up. We never want to get stale. We never want to do something because we think people care about it and then, in fact, learn that they don't or that they are annoyed by it. So we've played a lot with, you know, what's tradition and what is an untouchable tradition and then what we could actually freshen up. And, you know, we learned something. It's funny. We have the Thunderstorm, which is our skydiving team. We know that they are tradition, but we thought, okay, well, let's freshen it up. Let's play a song that maybe was actually written in this century. Normally, they jump to Thunderstruck by ACDC, and that's been the case for the last 10 years. But we're like, let's switch it up. And we tried a different song by Imagine Dragons, and we instantly got a lot of negative feedback. And we thought, okay, great. Well, now we know. Now we know we don't mess with that song. That's become tradition. When people hear that song, they've been trained to look up and start looking for the skydivers. So we are always playing around with that. We've added a few new halftimes, things that worked great and others that didn't work as well. We're always trying to freshen things up and keep things fresh while maintaining our strong values around traditions, which is is a very fine line to walk. Well, uh, ACDC uh, thanks you uh, for all the royalty checks they'll be getting (laughs) from uh, Broncos games. Yeah. Just curious if you could sort of dive in even more and talk about some traditions that, you know, you think are staples and maybe a couple examples of when you tried something new and it was actually success and that you want to keep rolling forward. Yeah. So one of the traditions we talk about all the time, one that we weren't quite sure if it was, and we've really determined that it is, is our parade of colors. So we're one of the few teams that does a full presentation around our color guards every week. We're unique in that we always have seven color guards. We have one from each branch of the military, so Air Force, Army, Marines, Navy, Coast Guard, as well as a police and a fire contingent. So we honor all seven groups, and we take two and a half minutes of our pregame show to bring them on, introduce them, and really give them a starring role for that two and a half minutes. It's a great presentation. Fans love it. It has a very specific song that goes with it that we've been doing for the last 10 years. And that one has been unique here and one that I don't think we'll ever get rid of just because it really provides a lot of value to our fans and to the team. We really value that piece. One of the new things we've done recently, and it's gone very well and will continue to be, in theory, a tradition, assuming that it continues to go as well as it was, is mutton busting. So we added mutton busting at halftime. It's in partnership with the National Western Stock Show, which takes place in January here in Denver. And it's a big rodeo. And one of the traditions they have is mutton busting, which is actually little kids riding sheep. It sounds weird, but it's awesome and it's hilarious. And we do it now at one of our games on the field. It's the last game of the year. It helps promote the National Western, which is a great partner of ours, but also uh, is incredibly entertaining. And we are one of the only teams that's done it because we're one of the only teams that has a very strong rodeo market. It's not something that a lot of teams would get away with and would get support, but our fans seem to love it. I don't know if after two years you can call it a tradition, but I could see it becoming a long-term thing and eventually becoming a tradition if it continues to go the way it's gone. It's on its way. Now, I think one of the most unique aspects of your job is the fact that your work and the game day layout you create affects so many fans. So I think it's really important for you to kind of get in touch with what the fan wants. And so I'm curious about 
how you go about trying to assess game day experience from a fan perspective and making sure that they are enjoying the experience and how do you go about evaluating the different aspects of the game day experience from a fan perspective? That's something that is evolving. You know, before we used to just make a lot of assumptions. We used to just kind of take note of where people reacted, where people didn't, and it was immediate crowd response. Not saying we don't use just that anymore, but we've actually been able to add some analytics to back our assumptions with data, which has been really valuable. So we we do a survey in the off season. It's a fairly simple survey, but basic questions about which half times do you appreciate if you could rank them? What parts of pregame mean the most to you? And elements of the game day experience. So we actually have a little bit of data behind our assumptions, but a lot of it still is just crowd reaction. You can tell when people are into a halftime or you can tell when people are into pregame. We actually, since we started doing the thunderstorm team in pregame, we've noticed more and more people coming into the building early, cuts down on our gate buildup, you know, trying to get people through the gates. And it's because people really value that piece and they want to see it. So we actually see a lot of benefits on other parts of the stadium because of some of the elements we do in game that people enjoy. And the other thing is you're never going to make everybody happy. There's always going to be that person that doesn't like some of the songs you play or you play too much country or not enough country. And there's always going to be those people who hate a halftime because they don't want to watch Frisbee Dogs or they don't want to watch Mutton Busting. They just want to see Ring of Fame induction ceremony. So you're never going to make everybody happy, but we try to keep things fairly broad to make the most people happy. If anyone didn't know what mutton busting was, I'm sure by this point in the podcast, they would have Googled it by now. (laughs) So let's shift gears slightly. And you talked about communication being a really key skill in terms of doing your craft well. For people who are interested in the game to entertainment space, you know, who might be a little younger, whether in college or out of college, what are some of both sort of the soft and even technical skills if necessary that are needed to be successful in that role? One of the biggest things I rely on on a regular basis is just that detail orientation. You have to be incredibly detail oriented because if you're not, something is going to fall through the cracks and that can't happen when there's 76,000 people watching. You've got to have that logistical thought process of seeing something through from point A to point B and coming up with all of the things that can go wrong and solutions to that problem if it were to happen. You've always got to be quick thinking and on your feet flexible because something is always going to go wrong. And so you've got to be flexible and ready to adjust on the fly and handle things last minute because stuff always comes up. No matter how detail-oriented and uh, organized you are, something's always going to happen because you've got a lot of factors, a lot of elements that are outside of your control, whether it's weather, whether it's an accident that people get delayed because there's traffic. There's just a lot of things that are outside your control. So you always have to be prepared. So I think all of those are soft skills. As far as any technical skills, I hate to admit it, but I don't think there are any. I think you're either kind of cut out for it or you're not. A lot of the technical skills that come from it, you learn on the job, whether it's scripting software or it's proper ways to, to communicate. Um, all of that kind of comes on the job. Being detail-oriented, organized, strong communication skills, all of those are things that are absolutely necessary in order to consider this path. And is that something that you think can be developed or is it to your point, is it just something that's innate? Like if someone was sort of, hey, you know, 
I'm listening to this podcast. What Liz does sounds interesting. I'm not sure if I'm cut out for it. Like, how should someone go about assessing whether that is without actually jumping into it? Um, is that possible or is the only way to really experience what you experience is to try and gain an internship in this sort of space and like actually go through and produce some of these game day experiences? You know, I, I'm sure a lot of these skills could be learned, but I think growing up in high school, college, I was always the person kind of planning the parties, right? I was always the person handling communication of the party or the logistics. At some level, it comes naturally. I would strongly recommend anyone interested in this field gets an internship or some kind of experience doing it because frankly it's not for everybody there's a lot of things that might not appeal to people and that applies to every position both in sports and out of sports and so i would highly recommend before you decide to really go in and make this your career path that you actually get a little bit of experience in it beforehand there's a lot of people who are very talented at a lot of things and just don't want to do game entertainment and that's fine it's not for everybody. Having been in the industry for 15 plus years, one of the themes that has come about throughout these podcasts is the concept of mentorship. So I was wondering if you could cite an anecdote or two where you've been a mentor or you've been on the mentee side and what allowed that relationship to be successful. Yeah. You know, I don't think I'd be where I was if it weren't for the person that hired me at the Rockies and his name was Alan and he really kind of took me under his wing and he was very patient with me. He kind of let me learn sometimes from messing up, but a lot of times he would prevent me from messing up publicly, uh, which is great. Sports more than a lot of industries really are about the relationships you build and getting in with the right people. It's, it's about who you know and the doors that can be opened from that. A lot of it is just sitting in, and being patient and listening you can take a lot of classes and you can be one of the smartest people in your school. You can get good grades, but in, unless you're doing a game day, there's no way to replicate this in a classroom. So if you get that opportunity to get in front of somebody who has some experience, learn, listen, and pick their brain and, and make sure that you're open to learning because a lot of this experience is just that. You can't learn it until you experience it. If so, someone wasn't as receptive to teaching you as Alan was, what would have been your move? Would you have tried to talk to someone else? Would you have kind of kept pushing? Like, How do you go about making sure that you can foster a mentor-mentee relationship that's beneficial to both parties? A lot of it depends on the parties. I think there's a lot of organizations out there who don't spend the time growing and, and teaching. So you just need to find somebody patient that you mesh with and ask a lot of questions and be willing to work the extra hours to see what it is that they're doing. Be willing to do the jobs that really aren't as glamorous because we all started there. Every single person that I've ever talked to in the sports industry has started doing that job, whatever it is, right? Whether it's running mail and getting coffee or it's working in the ticket office, selling tickets, or it's working in guest relations. Sometimes those jobs aren't as glamorous and it may not be where you want to be long-term, but you've got to start somewhere. And sports, more than a lot of other industries, you have to be willing to be humble and take those roles and do the work because that's what it's about, is proving that you can do it and that you're willing and dedicated to do it. Last couple questions here with Liz Coates, game entertainment manager for the Broncos. What are your goals for the department moving forward? Like, what would you like to see in uh, 2019 and seasons and beyond? I'd love to continue to grow the department. We right now are very small. <laughs> it's basically just me. 
and I'd love to see that grow because right now I feel like there's a lot of things I would love to do. There's a lot of really great ideas that we just don't have the resources or manpower to fulfill and, and make happen. So I'd love to see us grow as a department so that we can put more on the field and we can do uh, more activations around the game entertainment. Like what? Um, What's something you've uh, you wanted to see happen that you'd like to put into fruition? Put me on the spot. You know, I don't know if there's any super unique new ideas, but I'd love to be able to grow a lot of the ideas that we have. You know, we do a, a halftime and and some activations around our salute to service game, and I feel like that one has been fairly stagnant for the last number of years because we just don't have the staff to grow it and make it bigger. Same thing, we're trying a first responders game for the first time this year, which we're really excited about. And it has to start small because we just don't have the manpower and the resources to really go all out and blow it out. So I don't know if there's a ton of new ideas, although we're always looking for them, but we're always looking to expand or improve on some of the stuff we already do. Makes sense. And a final question for you, Liz, you sort of alluded to it in some of your responses, but I'd love to know what aspects of the job that you find are most fulfilling. Like, What has kept you in the game entertainment space for 15 years and is going to keep you in the game entertainment space for another 15 years, either with the Broncos or wherever moving forward? There are so many things that I find rewarding, which I think is really important when you work in sports because it is a lot of hours, it is a lot of work, nights, weekends, holidays. So if you don't find reward in there, you won't last in the industry. But for me specifically with game entertainment, what I love is standing down on the field during the national anthem and looking around and seeing 76,000 people on their feet singing along and looking at everything that you've done to get this game off the ground. It's that instant gratification of seeing your work and all of the hours that you put in to make this happen come to fruition on field and have 76,000 people react positively to it. A lot of people don't know how much work it takes to put into it. They think it just comes together, which that's the way it should be. They shouldn't know how much work goes into it. It should look seamless. So it's really, really cool to just look around and see thousands of people appreciating, although not outwardly knowing so, what you've done. Well, Broncos country, the next time you're at a game at Mile High or watching the game on TV and you see uh, the national anthem or you see uh, mutton busting during halftime, I want you to uh, think about Liz Coates for a second, all the work she's done. Liz, thank you for being here. Uh, we as in Broncos country really appreciate you, and I personally appreciate you for uh, taking the time to come on this podcast and share your story. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a new appreciation for all the work that goes down behind the scenes in order to create an amazing game day experience for the fans. On deck in our final episode of this series, we have a man who needs no introduction. Brad Post, the man inside the Miles costume, will discuss his fascinating journey that led him to become the Broncos mascot and give you a behind the scenes look into the mascot world. Not very many people do this job, and when you meet other people that do, like th- there's that commonality uh, that you have, and it's it's a fraternity, right? It is. You have this common experience that literally so few people in the world can relate to. Yeah, for sure, and it's commonly referred to by by us as the fraternity. So, until next time, keep hustling.